Welcome to the inaugural episode of Talking Tech with Talent Hub. We are possibly the last company to go scurrying down the podcast route. However, as the movie Cool Runnings has taught us, legends often remember the ones who trail at the end. Spoiler for a movie released 25 years ago, by the way. That's right. Whether you're about to go in for a hard day of graft or just wrapping up eight hours of blood, sweat and tears, we are here to ease the pain by reminding you that there are more options out there. Better companies, higher pay, or more enjoyable work. So, enough with the preamble that I put in place just to use up time. Let's get started. Sarah, hit a team tune, please. Sarah hasn't put in a team tune, so I'll begin. I'm Rob Griffin, Senior Recruiter here at Talent Hub. I'm Stephen Clegallan, Senior Recruiter here at Talent Hub, joined by our super host, Sarah Costlow. Hi, guys. <laughs> If you want to join the community or the conversation, feel free to view our LinkedIn group, Talk and Tech with Talent Hub. If you're on the lookout for a new job, check out our website, talenthub.ie. This episode is focused around, are you lazy or are you productive? So Stephen, following up from your intro there, talking about lazy or productive, can I assume you're speaking around remote and flexible working? I am, yeah. A lot of people don't seem to want to work anymore. <laughs> well, it's funny you mention that because before we can really talk about remote and flexible working as a topic, what I find is you need to talk about the infrastructure first before people can do that. Um, so one of us here is from the rural part of Roscommon. The other one's from Dublin. I'm going to let the audience guess which one is which. It's pretty obvious, yeah, go on. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyways, I'm from Roscommon. So last Christmas, I was back home. I did a speed test on my broadband because I knew mm. it was awful. And I think we clocked in one megabyte. So essentially that means it would take me probably two minutes to refresh my inbox. Uh, you probably don't have this problem in Dublin. Uh, no, I've been kind of fortunate, been from Dublin, that we have a fibre optic internet, so I've never really had a, that, that kind of issue. Well, fair enough. <laughs> well, this kind of leads me into one of the key areas I saw in the news over the past few weeks. I'm sure everyone has seen this. There is what they call the NBP, which is the National Broadband Plan. Uh, I'm sure you've seen this in the news as well. But uh, essentially, the European Commission has just approved 2.6 billion euro in state funding mm. to help broadband schemes for 1.1 million people in Ireland outside of Dublin. Yeah, I, I see the, the Taoiseach is looking to work remotely now. For yeah. Radker's a, a big fan of, of pushing remote work. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think it's actually going to be a great knock-on effect. So speaking around flexible and remote working, you can't do it unless you have the broadband capacity, especially in the tech fields. Mm. If you're a developer, you need to be able to log into the backend engines of the companies that you work for. And some of the companies you work for could be in the States. They could be somewhere else in Europe, so you need to actually have the ability to actually work with the broadband. Mm. Um, but I think going to the flexible and remote working thing as well, I think we spoke around this earlier today. I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could do it. I think it definitely works for certain people. Yeah. Um, in previous companies, I've had the option to work remotely. I tried it, definitely didn't work. Yeah. Two hours would go by and then I'd realise that I've been playing PlayStation for the last two hours. <laughs> um, so I, I definitely think it works for certain people and then also certain jobs as well. Yeah. Like, like you said, if, if you're a software engineer, 
I think it's definitely very flexible around their, mm. their remote working. Um, other skill sets, if you're a doctor or something like that, that's <laughs> obviously not going to work. Um, and then for us, like as recruiters, um, like I just don't think I would be as productive if I if I was working remotely. It's yeah. definitely doable, but again, it kind of depends on on the person, really. Yeah, I agree. Uh, for the past four years, I've had the option to work remotely. So I've seen some of my colleagues do a day a week at home. Mm. I really can't do it. I start climbing the walls. Um, I get cabin fever, and I get lazy to be honest. So I, I finished GTA well. five, uh, and one of my days off. So uh, don't tell our director that, will you? No, your secret's safe for me. Okay, fair <laughs> enough. As long as this doesn't get out to the world, that's all I care about. Um, but I think it actually leads really nicely to the next news topic I want to bring up. Have you seen this Microsoft four day week in Japan? I have, yeah. They got Fridays off. Yeah, that's amazing. Um, so, very high level. Microsoft, in August of this year, they ran a project uh, to see how productive their staff would be on a four-day week versus a traditional five-day week. Mm. So, all the staff in Microsoft Japan, they were paid their typical salary for five days, but they got Fridays off. Uh, a few ways have done this. One is they did a hard-stop 30-minute meetings Amazing. They did more remote meetings over like so Skype or Blue Jeans or whatever provider you use. Um, and they found that productivity went up 40%. And not only that, 98% of the staff thought it was a good idea and they enjoyed it. So what I thought when I read that, one, amazing. Two, I question it. Uh, reason why I question is they knew they were being studied. They knew yeah. it was going to be released. Did they work harder? Known that this study is going to be released and trying to keep a four day week. Yeah, I, th I think it could be like because it was what just under two and a half thousand people. Yeah, I, th I think there might have been somewhat of a placebo effect. Yeah, um, me personally, I don't mind meetings, but I hate meetings that go over time. Yeah, so I think if everyone has been told that we're working four days a week, we're having like you would normally have meetings, they can't go over time because mm. we obviously have to be productive from a business point of view. I think that'd be amazing. Yeah. I just get I get quite frustrated when meetings go over time. I just want to get back to what I was doing. Yeah. Um, and then I thought it was quite interesting from an environmental point of view, they're potentially saving the planet. There yeah. 59% fewer pages printed. Not only um, that, you're looking at less uh, congestion, which equals less emissions, um, which goes back to flexible working. People are on the road less. And yeah. Less bus travel, less train travel, less car travel. 23% less electricity use as well. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I approached this topic with our director uh, about a four-day week last week. Um, yeah, you can imagine that was shut down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, I, I think there is something to be said, but the cynic in me says I need to see more information come out of it. Mm. Uh, I need to see a bigger case study than Microsoft Japan. Um, and I just say watch this space. Yeah, definitely. Again, I think it just comes back to it definitely works for some people, it doesn't work for others, and I think there definitely needs to be a bit more research into the kind of output. Like, it's it's all great, you know, monitoring it for a month, mm. but I think if you went down the route of maybe monitoring it for six months, you could actually compare the data um, a lot better, rather than having this, like, one-month kind of blitz of yeah. working four days a week naturally everyone's going to be all about it. So I think there needs to be a little bit more um, 
a little bit more research and data around it. But it's it's definitely a good route yeah. to go down. One thing I don't like about it, do you actually hear what this program is called? Work Life Challenge Summer 2019. It's it not does not roll off the tongue. It's not great, is it? No. I, I think if I was to go back, I would change that mm. um, to something a bit more snappier. I don't know why yet. I'll figure it out. And when we figure it out, I'll put it on the LinkedIn page, mm. what I would call it. Yeah. And also, I, I think just even kind of come back to, to I suppose, locally based mm. remote work. For me, being from Dublin, I've like I've I'm lucky to have you know public transport. Yeah, and like Dublin city centre is fairly accessible, so I don't necessarily need to work remotely. Mm. But if you're looking at people who are commuting into to Dublin, it's obviously yeah. a tech hub. Um, companies will look at that. You know, if if you've got a family or if you do the the school run or whatever. Someone who's doing that and they're based in Kildare or Wicklow or whatever, you know, you're definitely going to get a lot more productivity out of someone like that who yeah. has the opportunity to work remotely. Um, and in that, that's going to obviously improve the the person's morale, their most likely their output, and also their their I suppose loyalty to the company as well. Like if yeah. if you're offering that flexibility, you know, employees are likely to stay with the company. Yeah, it's, it's about work-life balance. And mm. so people are looking for way more often as well. And that's something we kind of hear really often from our candidates when we speak with them, is that sense of work-life balance. Mm. Um, and not to kind of push the conversation too much away from this, but at the same time push it in a way. It reminds me of one of the areas I want to cover today, Yeah, is what candidates talk to us quite often about. Absolutely. Um, so... Moving forward, because this is our inaugural episode in the first episode, typically mm. I would like to get questions directly sent to this podcast that we can answer. But because it's our first episode, I think it's a good idea to cover some of the questions that we probably get asked most often. Mm. Um, and what I wanted to kind of bring up to yourself, because I know we discuss this quite often behind the scenes, is I often get asked by candidates whether how they can ensure that their projects in their CV are encapsulated. Yeah. So you have a senior PM who works at implementation. He works in migration. He's done some SAP work. He's done some different ERPs and CRMs. How can he ensure that the CV that he puts forward for one of his companies mm. or applications, he can put all the projects in there and it's not 25 pages long? Yeah. What advice would you give someone like that? where he, he's looking to apply for a job, he doesn't want to be more than ideally three or four pages. Mm. Is there any kind of workaround, do you think, for someone like that? Definitely. So m my biggest tip in general, whether mm. you're a PM or a data scientist or a software engineer, is to tailor your application as best as you can to what the company is looking for, obviously without lying or anything yeah. like that. Um, it works a bit differently if you, you know, you've got a bit more experience under the belt. Um, I'm very much of the opinion that people should be very selective in terms of the companies that they apply to, yeah. um, especially if you are experienced. If you upload a general CV, for example, to, to Indeed or Monster, Irish Jobs, whatever, you're going to get hounded by yeah. loads of us, loads of recruiters for positions that mightn't be as relevant. Whereas if you work with maybe one or two recruiters, we can kind of work together to tailor your CV, highlighting probably the last five years. You know, if you've got 10 plus years experience, not a lot of companies are really going to go back, you know, into the early 2000s or anything like that. Yeah. It's more the last five years that are more relevant. Um, yeah. 
but it all comes back to the to the tailoring like you can definitely um you know work down your experience from a couple of years ago into just the, the kind of tenure like you started here to there very briefly in one or two lines what the project was yeah and then over the last five years kind of meet out you know the specifics around the projects and then the kind of project highlights again obviously tailoring it to to what the company is looking for yeah um, i think not to be like shamelessly plugging recruiters because we are recruiters at the day yeah, but sure what we know is say we work with a bank mm. and they've got a project coming on because we're speaking with the manager we know the project's coming on we know the team is already in place we know the team they're building out we know their stack we know the project so what we can provide as a value add to someone that comes to us is helping their CV to bring out that specific information. Mm. So implementation, we know to bring an implementation. If it's an implementation of a certain ERP, we know that a ERP, and they have that experience, we can bring out those projects. So instead of 20-page CV, it goes down to two pages. Yeah. Um, I think that's kind of the secret sauce of it, kind of really finding the line of your experience and what to highlight. It's what's going to be important for the candidate then as well. Mm. Um, so another shameless plug from my side is if you go to talenthub.ie and Sarah, what's the name for our blog page, for blog section? So it's talenthub forward slash hub blog. Hub blog. So if you go there, you'll find a quick little guide on how to tailor your CV for roles. But I would say is that's not a catch all. Come speak to myself or Stephen yeah. if you're looking for a role in this area. Definitely. Um, and then I suppose, like, again, kind of leading on to questions that we get mm. quite regularly, um, I think a top of the conversation that has been going on for, for quite a while is anything around startups. Like yeah. The startup companies are sprouting up left, right, and center. Um, and a question a lot of people get asked, you know, if you've spent your whole career working you know, for a well-established multinational company, why move to a startup? Yeah, it's a good question. It's something I get asked all the time. And to be honest with you, a lot of my clients are very much in the startup space. But what I advise my candidates is there's no right or wrong answer to this. It really depends on where you are in your life and in your career and personally. Um, there's pros and cons like everything. Um, to look at the pros initially, if you were to take a role in a startup company, um, you have the opportunity to really make an impact. You're not being dictated on what to do on a daily basis by some head office in Silicon Valley, for example. Your office is here. You work directly with the founder and the CEO. Um, and you're there to give ideas. You're hired to provide ideas to that mm. company. So you really have a say in how it moves forward. And you can really challenge yourself on a daily basis. Um, and there a sense is, I always advise people, this is the quickest way to become a C-level executive in a company. Definitely. Is to take a job. And I've seen this a few times. My candidates get a job as a director of some kind in a startup. They show their work, and before you know it, they're a CTO or a C-something-O. And then they can go back to market and become a CTO in your SaaS companies or one of these areas. If you were to get that level of progression in a large company, it could take you 20, 25 years. Mm. You can do it in a startup in five years, as long as the startup still exists. Yeah. Which leads me to the cons. There's no guarantee that startups going to exist from five years from now. You're really betting on black or betting on red mm -hmm. by going to these guys. So you have to do your research. 
you have to initially look at what area the area of investments are they first wave second wave or third wave investment i would be very skeptical about companies at first wave investment they're the companies who have basically come up with an idea and they're going to market with the idea that's not a good time some great ideas and some great prototypes i've seen have not succeeded mm. when they get to second and third wave funding however that means they've got backing from the likes of your IDAs, your new frontiers of the world. There's money in the purse and it's money to employ staff. There's a level of security. Uh, the best time to join is when it's turn a profit. Yeah. Um, however, why you might join a bigger company on the flip side, you will have job security. You will have probably better benefits and bonuses. Um, and you will have a trajectory. There will be a career pattern hierarchy in place that you can see visibly. So I would say is there's no right or wrong answer. It just depends on which one do you prefer. Do you want to take a risk mm. and the reward is massive? Or do you want to go into a role in which you're guaranteed this salary? You know you're making it. You work hard, you get this bonus. You'll know you make it. Um, I know myself, I'm probably on the risk side. I, I probably would go to a startup, but that's just me. I'm not sure about yourself, Stephen. Yeah, well, I suppose on my previous company, they're the biggest HR provider in mm. the world. Um, so for me, you know, coming to, coming to Talent Hub, yeah. like myself and yourself are building out the tech side for Talent Hub. Um, it definitely kind of has that, not somewhat of a risk element to yeah. it. Um, like I'm very confident it's all going to work out. But I think the... One of the the key differences is that if you're working for a big multinational, you know it can somewhat feel like you're a clog in a wheel. Yeah. Um. Like yes, there is that kind of somewhat clear progression path, but again, you're kind of always going to come back to that. You know, you could be a bit of a clog in the wheel. Whereas if you were working with a startup, you have a very clear mission, mm. and you're working, you know, as a group toward towards a common goal. Yeah. And the thing that kind of very much appeals to myself would be that you're very much set in the foundations of a company mm. and you're adding value that you can actually see on a day-to-day -day basis that's essentially going to be the making or breaking of the company. Yeah. Um, Hopefully making. Oh, no. <laughs> definitely, definitely, definitely making. Yeah. Um, and then just even in terms of exposure, like, so for example, if, if you're, let's say if you're a Java developer, and you've always been a Java developer, you're working for a big multinational, let's say you go to a startup, you know, you could get the opportunity to wear, you know, a lot of different hats. Yeah. Because in a startup, they don't, in a lot of cases, have a very kind of clear hierarchy. So a lot of people have kind of very different types of roles. So if you've always worked back end, you can pretty much guarantee that you're going to get a lot of exposure to front end. Or if they want to utilize, you know, maybe a different language like Scala or something mm. like that. Um, so I feel like people who start working in startups, they just instantly get a lot more exposure into like new and emerging technologies than they would working in a multinational. Yeah, it's that sense of, do you want to be a big fish in a little pond or a exactly, little fish yeah. in a big pond? Um, and there's, there's nothing wrong with it either way. Um, I know some really, really great people working in some of the biggest companies in the world and they love it. Mm. Um, and they have no issue with that. It's whether that impact thing you were saying as well, it's if you want to create impact, mm. you're not going to create impact in one of these big, what they refer to in recruitment terms, I hate the term, sexy companies. Mm -hmm. um, but you will create an impact with a startup because you have to. The, the company won't succeed unless you create an impact if you're one of the early employees. Mm. 
um, and an impact you create can lead that company to being potentially one of the biggest companies in the world. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's probably why I gravitate towards it. Um, and I think this really segues lovely into what I like to call the shameless plug section of our yes. podcast. <laughs> uh, and so in this section, both myself and Stephen are, are here very much as recruiters at the same time. So we want to talk to you about roles we're actively working on. Um, and now seems like a good time to talk about a role I have with a startup in Dublin, after what we said. Mm. Um, it's becoming one of the key consultancy companies based in Dublin too. Um, they have clients both in Ireland and across Europe and they're starting to break into America at the same time. Um, they've got a role that's come about because they actually have more clients than they expected, which is a fantastic reason to have a role. Um, the CTO has always been the Java lead developer, so to speak. He's a Java guy himself. Uh, he loves being a developer, but he's now realized that he's a CTO and he needs to step back away from being programming. So he's looking for someone to kind of come on board and take leadership of the Java team. Um, so that means somewhat still hands-on, roll up your sleeves, open the laptop, do some programming. But at the same time, be someone who can be a mentor and a leader for the rest of the Java team. What I like about this company, it's very much like you said with startup. They are still massively developing their team. Their current people have a deck covers mobile, it covers web, it covers desktop. Everything is still done in Java. But your exposure to these different stacks and technology is going to be massive. You come on board from day one, I would be fairly certain you're going to have a really big impact on the company. As they grow, you're going to be the key client contact to their new clients. You're going to be handed over the keys to an amazing team. Like we've placed some of these people. And they are, honestly, some of the best in Dublin, if I do say humbly. <laughs> um, but no, it, it's a really fantastic opportunity, especially for people who are getting somewhat frustrated with these big companies we're saying. You're not seeing the impact you can make. Now's the time to come to these guys. They're actually making profit now as well. When a startup thing, that's amazing, especially in Dublin now, with a year and a half in business. So what I would say is, from my point of view, if you want to find out more, you can just give me an email. It's rob at talenthub.ie. Uh, I know yourself, Stephen, you've got a similar role coming up. Yeah, so I'm going to jump on the, the Java bandwagon as well. Um, I've got two really interesting Java back-end engineer roles, intermediate and senior level. Mm. Um, it's in an interesting area, so it's within the fintech space. Um, so the company, they've been moving from, from legacy into microservices over the last year or so. And they're looking for people with Java 8, Spring, ideally, if you've worked within microservices, would be a huge plus. Um, but it's just a really exciting opportunity, again, to get hands-on exposure to microservices. It's within a globally dispersed team. Um, the senior role would be the most senior engineer based in Ireland. So you'd be getting fantastic exposure to, to training and mentoring. And then to kind of piggyback off our previous topic around remote working, this role can actually be 100% remote-based, um, obviously, if, if you're living outside of Dublin, um, or even if you are living in Dublin, you can do whatever works best for you. You can do half the week at home, half the week on site, or if you don't like working remotely, you can do it like one day from home, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so yeah, just, just a really exciting opportunity, again, with the remote flexibility. A lot of companies, you know, don't offer the 100% remote piece. Um, so yeah, if, if someone's looking to get that 
hands-on exposure to, to building out microservices within the fintech space. Brilliant opportunity. Um, feel free to give me a shout. Stephen K at talenthub.ie. Thank you for listening to Talk and Tech with Talent Hub. Don't forget to visit our website, talenthub.ie, for our latest jobs. And don't forget to join our LinkedIn group, Talk and Tech with Talent Hub, to join in the conversation in the community. We'll be back next Monday for another episode. Cheers.